0: Welcome to the Success Addicts. You are stepping into a conversation where I ask the questions that you're thinking of to people that strive for success in all different areas of life. Business, faith, health, and more. So ask yourself this one question. Are you ready to master your journey of success? In this episode, you will learn everything that it takes to start a multifamily investment firm from scratch and the mindset that it takes to do so. Danny Rondazzo has built a portfolio of $1.5 billion of assets and has raised over $500 million from individual LP investors. He is the perfect example that continued growth is required and not just an option.
1: You have to jump in and buy a deal and just get through
0: that initial. Uh... Enjoy the episode and fair warning, you may become addicted. Hey, Danny, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. I'm, I'm really thrilled and, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you.
1: Lenny, thank you so much for having me on.
0: For sure. So how about we start off with your story? You know, um, you're doing a lot of great things, you know, experiencing a lot of great success and. You know, how did you get to where you are today? What did you do before you got to where you are? And, and, you know, what does your journey look like?
1: My journey, um, you know, it's probably no different than a lot of the listeners out there of being in a job that you aren't super passionate about, or it takes up a ton of your time and takes you, um, to, to different places. And for me, I was in the financial consulting world, traveling all over the, the country and the world. Um, I was probably flying 100, 200,000 miles a year and staying in hotels you know, 150, 250 nights out of the year. So it was a pretty intense schedule. And I um, envisioned myself kind of 10 years into the future there and realized like, hey, this isn't what I wanna be doing. Uh, for the next long term or for a career, really, and that really instilled in me the change. Um, I think one of the core traits that, you know, I have personally and that my business partners have is just the the work ethic. Um, It's something that I feel like either you have or you don't. It's not something that you can learn in a book. It's just that willingness and burning desire to go out and succeed in whatever it is you're doing. Um, For me, I really learned uh, about my work ethic by moving extremely heavy wheelbarrows full of sand in the hot, hot summer heat of Michigan, I would, I was the entrepreneur in the neighborhood, the kid who had all different kinds of businesses, I mowed lawns, I would Um, take on jobs that I didn't quite know how to do, but would figure out. I prepared my neighbor's sprinkler system. And then part of the job in the summer was moving wheelbarrows full of sand from someone's driveway um, all the way out to their back beach. And, you know, you're pushing a wheelbarrow. I was probably, you know, 10, 12 years old at the time, probably weighed 50, 60, 70 pounds. And I'm lugging you know, 150 pounds of sand in a wheelbarrow and um, that's work ethic right there. So I always joke with my wife about, you know, how can we instill good values in our kids and really it's through manual labor. Um, Moving rock piles from one side of the house to the other, moving wheelbarrows full of sand, spreading mulch, um, getting your hands dirty, getting into the weeds of things. Um, it is really what it takes. And, you know, fast forward um, a little bit, right? I'm in my full-time consulting job. I also started investing in real estate full-time on my own, one deal at a time, $1 at a time. And I had to juggle, uh, you know, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week in financial consulting, traveling a bunch. And then, at night, in the morning, in the evening, doing real estate, calling brokers, finding deals. Um, But I just had that work ethic to do it. And really, um, you know, when I was really juggling both those jobs, I didn't do any extra fun activities. I wasn't traveling with friends on the weekends. I wasn't going to the sporting event. I wasn't watching TV. I didn't know what was going on in the news. I wasn't watching shows. I was working and doing real estate, working and doing real estate, working and doing real estate. And eventually I just started focusing on real estate. And that work ethic really continued. Um, as my partners and I started the business, you know, we did every job that the company needed to do to be successful today we've got you know quite a few employees working for us doing all of these separate jobs we've raised over 500 million dollars in equity from limited partner investors in our deals we've got probably a billion and a half in assets we've got over four thousand units in multifamily. Uh, we've got over a million square feet in storage we own about 30 express car wash locations around the Southeast US. We, in the year 2022, our lending business did about hundred million dollars in loans to fix and flips rehabbers. So, um, you know, that work ethic, um, that belief in ourselves and in the team is really what kind of got us to where we are today.
0: No, that's incredible. And a lot of stuff to unpack there. Um, so I kind of want to start off with the consulting world, you know, the financial concert consulting world that you came from, what exactly did that look like? What were you doing specifically in the financial world?
1: You know, really, I was interacting with the clients, um, with the executive team of people, uh, learning about their businesses problems and trying to figure out solutions um, to apply to their business to ultimately the end goal was to improve cash flows and financial operations so either we would change how a process worked we would change how the people were organized or we might bring in some new technology and the experience was awesome it was great to you know, be a young person, travel around, um, figure out how to survive in a new city, a new hotel, a new client location every um, couple of weeks and really learning how, how to interact with those people and with the different, again, different problems that those businesses were facing and how to implement solutions for them.
0: Awesome. So there's definitely overlap to what you're doing today. um and and I know you mentioned before the work ethic and the willingness and, and the burning desire. So where does that come from? Like, what is your burning desire, and you know what is your willingness to to kind of push forward and put in this work?
1: Um, push forward and and do the work. You know, we'll do whatever it takes to be successful and uh, achieve the goals that we set out to have. And I think every every single person's um, kind of burning desires or vision for their future is completely different. I always tell people it's really important to figure out you know where you want to be in a year, in five years, in ten years, and kind of work backwards to figure out how to get there. So you know, one example that I had in the past. I wanted to replace my W-2 income from passive cash flowing real estate in order to have that kind of safety net to quit the W-2 income job, right? That um, that very nice, comfortable feeling of a paycheck hitting your bank account every two weeks so you can live on. Um, it's a major adjustment going to an entrepreneur of not knowing when you're going to get your next uh piece of income coming in and so for me i wanted to have that safety net of cash flow producing real estate to replace that w-2 paycheck and so for me i was looking at it and saying okay how can i replace about ten thousand dollars a month in w-2 income with ten thousand dollars a month in cash flow producing real estate and i had a couple of different options right at the time i had investors no background and really just my own money And so i started like i said one deal at a time putting money to work buying an asset having it produce income and slowly and methodically i kind of chipped away at you know adding 2500 bucks a month in cash flow adding another 2500 adding another 25 and then you get close enough where you know you're going to buy another deal you know things are going to work out and so you kind of take that leap and so for me the way I always think about goals and what motivates me is is figuring out where you want to be and work backwards of what do I need to do today to get there. And so I even broke that down to the number of deals that I needed to look at in a week in order to get twenty five hundred bucks in cash flow um, in a month. And so I was able to really be laser focused on, okay, Danny, let's call brokers, let's look, um, let's just look for deals, underwrite them, put offers in because in order for me to get cash flow, I have to be finding deals to look at. And so the only thing I did at the very beginning was just look for deals, look for deals, look for deals, look for deals. Look for deals. And eventually you find one. and then you you buy it, you close it, you go through that process, and then you, again, look for deals, look for deals, look for deals, and then you can slowly add to it. And that was just the thought process that really um, worked well for me. You know, We've got uh, a wide variety of investors uh, that invest with us at our company, PassiveInvesting.com, who some might be in the retiree age group and they just wanna have passive income coming in um, to, to offset what their, Retirement funds are producing for them. We have folks who are in their working years, love their job. Maybe they're a physician or an attorney, um, but they want to invest heavily in real estate because they don't like the stock market. They like that real estate can produce cash flow. They like the tax advantages of real estate. And so um, you get a, a wide variety of people with a wide variety of different goals and visions for their life. And so I think it's important for young people and and really in any age group, figure out where you want to be and then kind of work backwards to get
0: there. No, that's good. And so for, for the deals in the beginning, what did those deals look like? I guess for, you know, for the people in the audience that are just looking to, you know, get into this space and start off, you know, what were the type of deals that you were starting off with?
1: Um, I really got focused on deals that would produce cash flow consistently. And so the the first deal that I actually bought was a commercial office building. Um, I did not get started with a single family rental house because when I looked at it on paper, a single family rental would only produce about a hundred, maybe two hundred bucks in cash flow per month. And so when I did the math, it was like, hey, I would have to go out and buy a 100 of these things. That's going to take a ton of time, it's going to take a lot of money to go through that process. And so I kind of said, hey, I'm not going to look at single family houses at all, because I don't want to go out and buy a 100 of them. So I started looking at small multifamilies, where there would be at least 10 units where I could make at least $100 per door. So I'm making $1,000 a month. Or I started looking at commercial office buildings um, that actually produced a ton more cash flow compared to families that were in my backyard at the time. And so um, I was, again, very, very focused. My goal was maximizing cash flow on a monthly basis to replace that W-2 income so I could quit that job. Someone else's goal might be, hey, I love my W-2 job or what I do for a living and how I make money, but I want long-term appreciation. And so they might not care at all about cash flow day one, but they might want to double their money in five years or triple their money in seven, that kind of back end um appreciation that you would get from a deal. And so that's again, it's important to figure out what your goal is and then work backwards to get there.
0: No, that's good. And I kind of want to open that up a little bit because I even think, you know, the people that are beginning or, or looking to get into this space, a commercial office building sounds a little intimidating. So can you kind of break that down a little bit on on how do you even take a deal like that down as as just a beginner in the space?
1: You know, it um it, it could be intimidating. The thing with real estate you have to remember is that there we're not really doing anything new that hasn't been done by a ton of different people before us. And so if you have a sound business plan, um, underwriting the financials has always been my strength. And so when I look at it on paper, right, you're collecting income, you're paying your expenses, and then you have money left over at the end. Um, at some point you have to jump in and buy a deal and just get through that initial um, either analysis paralysis or the kind of fear of failure um, in order to get forward. So you're never gonna buy two deals if you have zero today. What I mean by that is you have to buy one deal first to then go out and get your second deal. And so jumping in and getting started is always the most important step if you're absolutely brand new. Um, Whether you're partnering with someone in a limited partner or a passive investor format, that's a great way to jump in and get started to learn how the business works. Or if you're going to partner with a friend and go at it together and um, kind of co-manage your investment, that would be another strategy or do it all on your own. There's definitely support groups out there to help you. I would always encourage someone if you're new, if you've never invested before, have a mentor, have a friend with experience, kind of just back you up and double check your numbers, but then go ahead and do it get into it um, because you're going to learn a great deal once you actually own the asset versus hypothetically um, owning it on your own. So once I got into the office building, it was actually a a super easy um, deal to manage. I interacted directly with the tenants myself. I didn't pay a property management fee, um, no issues, no challenges and Again, you can't learn that in a book. Um, You can't learn that from me. You just have to jump in and do it and then learn as you go. It's not um, ever as scary as your brain or mind um, may make you think it is.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's good. So how did that transition look from the commercial office building into your your multifamily product and you know how did that transition look
1: yeah you know it was it was very um very good experience to have i've invested in nearly every type of real estate investment um, available from commercial office buildings uh tax sales foreclosures short sales flips um small multi-family large multi-family self storage, uh, car washes. But getting started, I had a wide variety of experience in the commercial space in the small multifamily space in um, short term rental space as well. And what I did is I looked at the ROI, the return on investment from a financial perspective, as well as the ROT, the return on time. And going into and staying focused on the larger multifamily commercial assets where you can have a predictable business model and scalability is, is really the best way um, to number one, protect your money and then number two, make money along the way. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you buy a, a two bedroom townhome or condo or house and you're airbnb it out, Um, you might make really good cash on cash return, because you only have, you know, 10, 50 or $100,000 in the deal. And if you're generating, you know, call it 50,000 a year in excess cash flow, you know, you might be making 100% or 50% cash on cash return. But that single deal is probably sucking up a boatload of your time and while the the ROI the return on investment metric looks really good um you might not be adding to your monthly cash flow target to achieve your goal potentially so if your goal is you know 10,000 or $20,000 a month, and you have one Airbnb, and you're generating 20k, um, or we'll make it easy 24,000 in cash flow, that's 2000 bucks a month, you would need, you know, five of those things to get to your 10 number, can you feasibly Mm -hmm. doing five um, with the time component in there, maybe, maybe not, would you have to hire a professional management company to help you? Now your cash flow goes down, so that's really how I looked at things. And the again, the scalability of the size of commercial assets versus these smaller kind of one-off deals um, is just the the best method for what we do and how we always envision really building the business um, and being able to provide institutional quality. Investment opportunities to everyday people um, that you know Wall Street just doesn't um, can't provide to folks out there. So,
0: no, that's good, and I think that kind of transition was some of my next thoughts. Um, so, starting the business, I know you mentioned you know partners and and you know five hundred million dollars from LP investors and you know all of these amazing metrics. My my first question is you know how did you formulate the team you know and and how did you how did you pick your partners or maybe it was mutually picked and it was just you know a bunch of you around a table like how did that formulate
1: the the vision for the company always started um to be a, a large business we always wanted to acquire a lot of multifamily properties and then as we grew that line of the business, we added these other pieces um, as we went. And so when we first got started, it was really myself and two partners. And like I said at the beginning, we did every job that the company had to do in order to get there. But one of the very first meetings we had together was, hey, let's list out all these job descriptions and who is the first hire that we strategically need to make? Who is the second hire? So again, you're not going to hire 10 people at the beginning, right? You're going to hire one and then you're going to hire employee two and then employee three. And so again, you just have to get started. And that's what we did. We bought one property, we got started, and then we bought a second property. And As we grew, our team grew. So it was very methodical, but Mm. the best thing about having really great partners is you have to have the same vision. So if if everyone's alignment of interests for the growth of the company, as well as the personal financial position of each individual are aligned, then you can be very successful. Um, So for us, when we first got started, the three of us came from different backgrounds. We had different experience, but we also had our own personal financials in order where we weren't trying to take money from the business to buy groceries or to, you know, pay for children's education or whatever it was, all of the money that the business made went back into the business because we wanted to grow the business. And so I think that's a mistake that a lot Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs make um, of not being able to very specifically delineate between your personal financials and then the business financials a lot of people will you know kind of take from the business if they you know need to have extra income to take a trip for their family or whatnot and um, that's just never been our approach and we you know again take a ton of our resources and put it back into the business to grow it but The only reason we've been able to be successful in that is because my partners and I have that same vision um, to do that, to build the company. And we have the, you know, financial ability to support our family separately um, from that business initiative.
0: No, that's important. And so were the partners, were you guys all friends initially or did it just, you know, how did that formulate? We met
1: um, through, I met my partner, Dan, through a mutual mentor kind of in the real estate business. And he, Dan had been working with one of um, a, a friend kind of uh, partner that he knew for a while, Brandon, and we kind of stayed in touch. They live in Columbia, South Carolina. They're about an hour and a half from me in Charleston. And we would meet at Cracker Barrel for <laughs> breakfast. Every quarter or so, and just kind of exchange notes. It was never a meeting about how can we partner and buy a billion dollars worth of real estate. It was, hey guys, what are you doing? How can I help you grow and buy your own deals and do things? And they were, you know, catching me up on what they were working on and how they could help me. And that's really how it. How we built our relationship and friendship organically over a period of time, and then we looked at one deal together and kind of said hey our backgrounds and our experience. We might have a really good team thing here let's go look at this one deal together. Um, we didn't win that deal we didn't win the next deal, but then we found a deal and we bought it. and. We said, great. Hey, let's do one. We'll see how it goes. That's the beautiful thing about real estate is Mm. can partner on one deal, start one LLC and, you know, test the waters, make sure the partners hold up their end of the bargain. They do what they say, everybody gets along. And if that happens, then you do the next deal and then you can do the next one. And so that's really what we did. It was just an organic evolution. Um, and uh, being very um, specific with our time and, and how to best grow our partnership, our friendship and the team.
0: No, I think that's powerful. Um, it's awesome how it kind of happens organically. I think you hear a lot of these stories, horror stories when it comes to partners and I think sometimes that happens because of the forced aspect um, that's involved. So it sounds like you know it happened organically, which which might have, allowed it to uh you know be an easy transition into other opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to never go into a networking event or a meeting with an intention of coming out of it with a partner to go do things with or go make deals happen. Um you should be looking someone who has complementary skill sets to Offset your areas that you dislike or are weaker in. Um, And that'll again make the team successful. So, you know, one of the mistakes a lot of people will make early on is that they'll be, you know, best friends with someone and you're both really good financial underwriters and both love being in Excel and don't really like making a ton of phone calls. That's going to backfire when you need to put your investor relations hat on and make phone calls or talk to brokers. So you can't, um, I wouldn't suggest or encourage anyone to partner with someone who is uh, similarly interested in the same things or good at the same things. You need that, this diversity amongst the team.
0: No, that's good. And you mentioned earlier in the conversation that there's thousands or hundreds of, you know, and and thousands of, you know, people doing this in the multifamily space. And I'm sure that kind of, you know, is a broad common in other sectors of business as well. So, you know, what are some of the ways that you've found, you know, that your skill differentiates yourself from the competition and, and how are you finding yourself today, differentiating yourself from the competition?
1: I'm not one of those people who thinks that there's a limited number of deals or opportunities out there. So I wouldn't say um, that there's true competition, right? Everybody does things a little bit differently, has a different investor strategy or a different mindset. So, you know, someone might look at a deal that is a hundred units and all hundred units need to be gutted and renovated. And you're gonna spend $20,000 per door on a renovation. Um, It could be the greatest, our group isn't gonna do that because that's an extreme lift. It's gonna take a lot of time to do that. Um, We're gonna be focused on a different type of asset class. And so that's where I think, you know, There's ways for everyone to be successful. There's deal types and sizes for everyone. Um, I I also don't think that having a lot of people in the space is necessarily a bad thing because it it allows you to meet other colleagues, other people in the business, which I think is so important because again, if you're experiencing a challenge in real estate someone out there has gone through that challenge before and can help you get through that same challenging period and i think that's a huge benefit to us all as real estate investors of you know don't think you're in it alone and you know always reach out to your network for help whether it's someone who's buying the exact same property types as you um there's ways that everybody should be able to help one another out there, and there's plenty of deals out there for everyone to do.
0: No, that's good. And so, to kind of veer to more of a, a zoomed in look on yourself personally, I know you mentioned that while you were in the financial consulting world, I mean, you were traveling and, and not around that much, and you know, 100 or 200 nights a year, it sounded yeah. like you know, how, as you're building and ramping up a business, I'm sure there's a time demand, you know, when it comes to starting a business, you know, like the one that, you know, that you have today, how were you able to balance that along with your family or your wife or or some of your relationships with your family?
1: I wouldn't say it is um, how you balance things. I would say it is um, being supported by those closest to you. And so, at the time when I was kind of doing both jobs together, my wife was extremely supportive. She knew what the sacrifice was going to be, Um, she was heavily involved in the process and in getting us to where we are today. And so, having that buy-in is really important. Uh, I firmly, firmly believe you have a family member or a friend who is negative or, um, talks badly about the ideas you have or the passions you have, or the desires you have, you need to remove them from your life or really from your, um, kind of daily sphere of influence. It's totally fine to go to the family holiday dinner, you know, chat about the weather (laughs) what's going on at home or with the cousin or with the neighbor. Um, You don't have to chat real estate or what you're really passionate about. If they're going to tell you to not do something or why real estate is bad or this or that. And you just don't go to those people for real estate support. You come to your real estate family and your network and um, those that are encouraging you to, hey, you know, go work late at night, go wake up early and call brokers or look at deals. Um you have to have that sphere of influence. And so if someone is holding you back, or if your, you know, living situation. Is holding you back from being successful, then you need to change that. You need to either move out, move out of the state, move to a market that is better for real estate. Um, You have complete control of these things. And again, it's that hard work. Sometimes it's hard decisions, but um, ultimately you have to do that. And I think, you know, Lenny, you're a shining example of that, of, you know, spending a bunch of time in New York realizing that um, New York does not have the same real estate opportunities as a Southeast US market does. Mm -hmm. Um, And you got yourself out of there. You made a hard decision. You made the move. You took the leap and um, ultimately got yourself to where you are today because of those hard decisions. or that hard work that it takes to move, you know, away from home or away from the comforts of it and to try something new.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. Um, So what is your definition of success? How would you describe that? My definition of success is being
1: happy and fulfilled um, by what you're doing. I think the target, of where you're going may always change but it's a constant um growth mindset so for me in order to be you know happy and fulfilled i need to have you know happiness at home with the wife and the family i need to constantly be learning trying new things and then you know building the business growing and making changes and evolving over time and ultimately just being a a better version of myself being a better version of the company so um i think growth and learning are some of the big drivers for me to feel successful and fulfilled
0: you made a comment earlier about um you know being passionate about what you're doing and my, I think my question is like, you know, finding that passion, you know, I think could be challenging for many people on their journey. So how are you, able? you know, what are some ways that you were kind of able to identify, all right, what I'm doing is, you know, fulfilling or, you know, is it more of what you're actually doing or is it more about who you are and how you're developing is where the fulfillment comes from? It's definitely a mix of both.
1: Uh, I'm not sure I have the answer. It's one of those things I always think about a lot of, um, you know, young people um, going to college and not knowing what they want to get a degree in or why they're really going to school in the first place. Um, That's always been a confusing uh, question to answer even, you know, middle-aged people who are, who are working and they're, they've never really been happy with their job and they just kind of go along with the flow. Um, I don't know how you instill or allow people to find what they are passionate about or what they really enjoy doing. Um, I think it's Each individual person's responsibility to kind of explore that. For me, I feel like reading books was a good outlet to explore the different possibilities that the world has out there. Um, I also think it's a gigantic world that you need to go out and explore. Um, If you are in your college years, I think You absolutely should be required to study abroad in a foreign country for a semester because getting outside of the United States, getting outside of your hometown, getting outside of the state you live in, um, even traveling across the country and studying at another school uh, on the opposite side of the coast would be a very good thing. You have to learn how to communicate and interact with people. Also go out and experience what's out there. There's so much variety and diversity. It's so important, um, to experience things that you really dislike doing, experience things that you might really like doing, and then that's how you slowly learn. And so, um, I've always kind of pondered that question. For me, I knew, um, from a very little age that I wanted to be a business person. And I just knew that instinctively. I read all the books on it. Um and I just have a, a super strong passion for that. And um, you know, being an entrepreneur when I was growing up, you know, at five, six, seven, running the lemonade stand, um, you know, painting for people, doing random, odd jobs. Um For me, that was always the exciting part of being able to control my time and the output of my effort. And so entrepreneurship was always, um, always there for me. And that's really been a huge passion for
0: it. No, I think that's a good way to navigate is, you know, try, try, try out some stuff, different things and, you know, figure out what you don't like and and what you do like, and then kind of formulate your path from there. Um, So that's good. And, and, You also made one more comment before as well, where you said, you know, your passion and and your kind of fulfillment is also within learning. So, you know, what is somebody like yourself that's successful, you know, has a firm, you know, has accomplished many things and learned a lot of things along the way, you know, what are some new things that you're learning today?
1: (laughs) Oh, a wide variety of things. So a couple um, recently just um financial people accountants will know this about me but um learning about tax strategies um to you know save where you can optimize be efficient in your tax planning but also tax strategies um learning a little bit of a foreign language so i always have been trying to brush up on my italian and um Just being able to have conversations when we travel abroad in Italy and, you know, ordering things, you know, whether it's coffee or dinner, knowing what's on the menu. So just kind of those conversational things, that's always um, a fun thing to do in my spare time. Uh, Reading different books. Um, Golf is a huge passion of mine as well. So learning how to play better, how to use um, the equipment and my swing and optimizing that. So, um, you know, real estate is always ever-changing, love uh, being involved in those different aspects as well. So those are kind of the the top things for now. I feel like it, again, the, the targets always change, but, you know, learning new things, even if it's, you know, stuff with the kids about- mm-hmm new development toys for them or how to you know play with tinker toys and magnet <laughs> to build the coolest structure for our two-year-old to go and knock over is also fun
0: no that's awesome um well no look you know I definitely enjoyed this conversation I thought it was super valuable I know definitely the audience will as well is there you know is there anything that you want to promote or, or talk about or you know kind of mention you know where you're headed from here
1: Um, The only thing I would mention is if you want to learn more about what our companies do, check us out at PassiveInvesting.com. If you are a uh, passive investor, also check out what we have going on. Everything is available. It's very easy.
0: PassiveInvesting.com. Awesome, Danny. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lenny. As you can tell, there's no challenge too big for Danny. He's excelled at a rate that far outpaces much of his competition and is ready to accomplish more of the goals he has set for himself and the firm. Sometimes you need to just jump in and take action and that's exactly what got Danny to where he is today. You can find Danny on PassiveInvesting.com and follow me on Instagram at Lenny underscore to stay up to date on new episodes and I hope that this helped you on your journey for success.